0: You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium Games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen Podcast. I'm your host, Solus, and this is episode 23 that we are calling Starfield Impressions. Obviously, we're going to be getting into the unfortunate, unhe- like heated debate on whether or not we like or dislike this game, and-, and the why's. Why do we dislike it? Why do we like it? I, my main objective has always been to report the news and add a little bit of color to how i personally see things Um, that's really not going to be this podcast this podcast you're going to see behind the veil you're going to see my true thoughts and opinions on my experience i've got about 26 hours in that game um and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna unload on my impressions and i think you'll be surprised on on how i feel about this game but First off, welcome in. If this is your first time listening, we are a Star Citizen podcast, but we intentionally called the show Beyond the Verse, um, because we're not always going to be stuck to the single IP. Um, We will go into Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, Cyberpunk, that expansion's coming out in a few weeks, to dabble in the the other, uh, the multiverse of gaming, if you will. So, we will get into Star Citizen, we will get into uh, a Farewell Port Olisar, cool little Spectrum badge, we'll get into the Ship Showdown results, we'll get into the Subscriber Promotions uh, Roadmap Roundup, and we will watch the Inside Star Citizen, all on this episode. But our main objective is to dive into Starfield and see what it's all about. If you're watching YouTube, It's kind of distracting. It's half my screen is the Constellation Edition, right? the $300 Constellation Edition. So I'm invested. I'm still invested to this day. Um, So I will get into that here in a little bit. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. And I would encourage you, uh, especially for this episode, I would encourage you to go into our our, um, our Spotify page um, and respond to the poll. I want to know how you feel about Starfield. I want to give you a platform, a voice. And for next episode, we're going to go over those comments. We're going to go through each one as long as it's clean and you know we're able to share it on air. I will, I will read those comments and we're going to have a special guest join us next week. For those of you on YouTube, uh, you're probably seeing it, but I'm still recovering from this cough. So on podcast, I will do my best to go in and post process uh, and take out, you know, the coughs like I've been doing for the last two weeks. But on YouTube, you're stuck. You're stuck with this. So I'll go on mute. I'll try to get all the nastiness coughed away uh, and then I'll come back and join you. So let's do this. Let's uh let's just get into Starfield. Let me cough real quick. Like that. Um, yeah, horrible. Okay. So I When I was thinking about doing this segment, I actually talked to my brother last night as like a soundboard. Um, what would be, you know, too much, what would be too candid, how do we feel about X, Y, Z? I wanted to get a good measurement on, on, on how to be transparent, the best way to be transparent. And I think there's two ways that I have viewed Starfield. One, if you look at just the game, the game in and of itself, no other pretenses, no other comparisons, if you just look at Starfield, I'm going to give it an 8 or 9 out of 10. Graphics are stunning. The exploration for what it is. The exploration is great, the close to 1000 planets, it's it's awesome. Um, I like the idea of the procedural generation of dropping on a planet and it's randomized per gamer. Um, So it's not the same experience, one player to another. Um, Inventory management, I think that's kind of what brings it down from a 10 or even a nine for me, but that's a typical Bethesda game. That's, there's no surprise. You have the same issues in Elder Scrolls. You have the same issues in Fallout. That wasn't like a, a deal breaker for me. The stories are insane. I have spent, like I said, 26 hours in Starfield, and I have spent more time doing the Free Star Ranger um, side quests, and I won't get into many spoilers here, but just a heads up, there might be some spoilers. Uh, That is some of my favorite side quests ever in any game. Um, I've been to a planet that had a single like 25 story corporate building, that I had to go and basically turn into Metal Gear Solid or Splinter Cell and take care of every enemy that was in there, to include like a gang boss. Like these are these are amazing stories, and it makes the time that I'm playing in the game like I lose track of time. And so I I, I want to give it a fair shake. Like I I absolutely love my experience up to this point inside of Starfield. So I mean clearly I'm invested Uh, it came with like this really awesome box with a watch inside of it steel case special edition controller I'm in like I am in Um, I've got a neon sign coming to put behind me here in the next couple of days or weeks Um, because again I I really am enjoying this game so if you're listening or you're watching on YouTube let me just say one last time I will give it from a solo gaming perspective. I will give it an eight or a nine out of ten. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and I hope if you're going into it, you feel the same way. No one wants to spend sixty bucks and be and be disappointed. Okay, but I can't just look at it like that, can I? I I, I can't, and I don't I don't know if it's if it's my like barrier, or if most people feel this way, but I can't just look at Starfield and like on an island, um, agnostic of any other variable or any other opinion. I have over thirty years of gaming experience. Uh, it's very difficult for me to not compare, and I'll actually save the comparison to Star Citizen for the last piece. It's not even. A competition between starfield and star citizen there's no comparison i mean it's it's in space but it's a whole different ball game but what i will do and and personally let me cough real quick what i think is the better comparison is to a a a true open world game like Many years ago, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, Cyberpunk. And then I look at Starfield, and I can't give it an eight or a nine out of 10. I can't. Um, I would agree with IGN and give it a seven, if not lower. And here's here's the why. And it's funny, because like I've, I've talked to friends and individuals in my org about this as like again another soundboard <laughs>
1: i'm
0: going to have a lot of editing to do um i've talked with a lot of them about this and I, i'm i'm going to more than likely upset some listeners here but like I'm still playing cyberpunk. When I log into cyberpunk, it is an amazing immersive experience that has zero to maybe just a few load screens. You load in and you are in that city. You're in Night City. And if you go to the top of a skyscraper and you're looking out, you're seeing, you're seeing everywhere you can go, everywhere. And you can get there. And there's no problems with that. And again, unless there is a story that needs to be loaded, like instanced, you're not seeing a load screen. You can drive from one end of the map to the other end of the map. This is the same for Grand Theft Auto, which I mean is how many years ago? I'm actually gonna do this. Here, you can hear me typing. I want to, let's do Grand Theft Auto 5, what year? What year is Grand Theft Auto V? 2013. So 10 years ago. So, Grand Theft Auto V, 10 years ago. Fallout. So, that's, that's not the game. What was that? Red Dead Redemption? Red Dead Redemption 2. What is that? 2018. So, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Five years ago. And then you got Cyberpunk, which is two years ago. In all three of those games that is that is true immersion that is true um, exploration and again the lack of load screens is, is what is breaking this for me here's my experience with starfield the first time that i was truly let down is when i first got the frontier your first ship right um, it's given to you and i'm like sweet this is great i want to see the difference between the inside of a ship in Starfield versus the inside of a ship in Star Citizen. So, I get onto the ship. I, I walk up the ramp. I'm in the garage, if you will, and there's a ladder. And then you hit E on PC. You hit E to get onto the ladder, and you load into your ship. Like that breaks that that breaks me because uh, I've been I've been um, I've been exposed to Star Citizen for the past year. And that just does not happen. That doesn't happen in that game. Um, and it's multiplayer and server meshing and persistent universe and, you know, <laughs> object container streaming, like it, it, all all the things. And yet there's no load screens. Uh, it might be hidden behind a quantum drive travel or it might be hidden behind an elevator, uh, but you never experience it, right? So getting onto the ship in Starfield, that broke me. I'm like, oh, damn, that sucks. Uh, that, that really took it out of me. So I walk around the ship, the ship's great, the items everywhere, picking up items and putting them into compartments, like that's all cool, that's fun, that's typical uh, Bethesda. But then I got into the pilot seat and you have an option to take off and I'm like, hey, I would love to take off and just maybe fly around um, like the little, the mining area that you start out in, um, just take screenshots and see the beauty of Starfield. And so i hold down spacebar to take off and my ship takes off into a loading screen it's the same animation there's like two or three different animations that i've seen in 26 hours of gameplay so for the next 100 hours of gameplay it's the same takeoff it's the same landing so you don't really get to explore an atmosphere So, so far, let's go through this. You don't get to really explore, um, the immersion of walking into a city. You don't get the immersion of walking into your ship. You don't get the immersion of taking off in your ship and and being in atmosphere. Okay. So these are like many, many strikes on my experience. And then I get into space for the first time. Let me cough real quick. I get into space for the first time, uh, and it's beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. The planets in front of you, the sun refracting and the ray tracing and and all the things. Um, I get into space and I'm like, I'm gonna fly around. This is awesome. Um, and 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 you don't. There really, there really is no flying in Starfield. And let me, I guess, further dive into that. You can fly in your like fishbowl. It's this facade that you're in space, but you don't go anywhere. I think a content creator was able to fly from like Mars to Pluto, and it literally took her seven hours to do it. So you, you can, but the game is built to be a game of fast travel, of map management. Let me, let me go back to my point. So, you're, you're in space, you're flying around. You, well, not really, you're not really flying around. Um, and the first thing you do is you hit M for your map, you plot your course, and then you hold down X to travel. The rest is cutscene. It's a load screen. You load into your quantum leap or whatever they're calling it. You load into that. You load into getting into the next little space orbit. And then once you get there, guess what you're doing? It's the same thing again. You're in this fishbowl in space, can't really fly anywhere, truly. Uh, but you can open up your map again, and you can scan the planet for resources. But what are you doing next? You're plotting your landing. You hold down X to land. It's a cut screen, right? You're loading into this spot on the planet, um, and, and, and there's there's no like there's no flying. You land on the planet, and then you can choose whether or not to just leave your ship immediately, or you can walk around your ship to leave the normal way. Uh, but both are wrapped around a load screen, so you get where you're going, and then it just becomes Fallout. The game is uh, it, it's it's no um, it's no better than Fallout 4. And how long ago was Fallout 4? Let's let's do this. Fallout Four. Fallout Four was 2015, right? So eight years ago. It, it's no better. Same graphics, same gameplay. In fact, the the location that uh, you land on Mars. The location you land on Mars, I feel like they took that directly out of Fallout. It's like a decrepit, falling apart, very industrial, dumbed down like version of like an, a city or a little village. I feel like I've seen that exact same map or location in Fallout. <sighs> last thing I'll say about this, because I feel like I've said more negative than positive. The last thing I'll say about this. Yesterday... I spent about an hour and a half, maybe even two hours, 100% doing the Freestar ranger side quests, and I never once spent time in space. It's a space game, but I never once spent time in space. It was map management and fast travel management, and I think that that is that's the barrier for me i would go do a mission um maybe it is combat maybe it's just managing a conversation uh, but then it'd be like hey i need you to go to this other system and take care of xyz I'm like cool awesome great after the conversation i hit m open up my map it's a planet i've already been to so i go through you know picking how far to get to and where and i choose to land at the objective and then I, I literally go from standing in front of the NPC to the road leading to my objective. There was nothing space about that. H- how? How? This is a space game, and 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 I think that that's the problem for me. Is it's it's no better than Fallout, but instead of a like a, a machine. You know outfit it's it's an astronaut's outfit so when i compare it to other games i i can't be as excited as i can if i just look at it for what it is starfield as its single player like ip basically fallout same pig different makeup if I look at it that way, it's good. It's fun. I enjoy myself. All the things I said before getting into the criticism. It, it's 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 fun. Good stories. I like the character development. I like you know being in my ship and hearing Co uh, Sam Co and his daughter Cora. Um, I love hearing like that conversation. It's like that's fun for me. But I I found myself going back to cyberpunk this week. And it's weird, because like as I say that, I feel like I'm like cheating on a girlfriend. Like, yeah, I went back to cyberpunk a few times, because that to me was like, I just wanted to escape in between meetings, or maybe after work, I just wanted to escape. And I chose to escape in cyberpunk, rather than Starfield. Because I could just exist, and go, and do. Um, This is kind of a bad example, but like in cyberpunk, I can pull up a rifle and aim it at somebody, and the whole crowd reacts. Everybody runs, it's crazy. Uh, It's actually a crime. Police start chasing you. But if you do that in Starfield, nothing. You can actually pull out your gun and aim it at a security officer, nothing happens. And that to me is not immersion. I'm gonna get into like the Starfield Star Citizen in just a second, I'm gonna cough. All right, that felt like a good cough. So I'm, I might be good for the next couple minutes, which is great. Starfield versus Star Citizen. Here we go. There is, and we'll get into this here in a couple seconds. Um, there is a farewell Port Olisar spectrum announcement where you're gonna wanna go back to Port Olisar between now and um, when 320 drops so you can get a cool little spectrum badge, okay? So, like I said yesterday, I'm in um, Starfield. I'm doing all the fun quests, having a good time. I get the announcement, um, you know, to go and do this. So I stop what I'm doing, I save. I go into Star Citizen. And I was, the last time I played, I was fast traveling from Crusader to Hurston and I had stopped halfway and bedlogged because I needed to go pick up my kids for Taekwondo or something. So everything I just said, negative about Starfield, I log into Star Citizen and I'm in the bed, in my Corsair, in the middle of space. It is the antithesis of what I wish Starfield had, right? Or it is what I wish Starfield had. I was able to get out of bed, walk around a little bit, you know, I walked past the kitchen and just role played all that in my head. How fun would that be if like you and your org sat down at the kitchen table and like ate your food for experience or buffs, you know, before a mission. But all that started coming back to me, got into the pilot seat. Oh, breath of fresh air. I was able to turn on the engines one by one. I was able to F2 in my star map, choose the port all location. Turn on the quantum drive, fast travel. Uh, just a beautiful, awesome experience to to ending my fast travel at uh, at Crusader, right? I had to go to um, oh my goodness, Olas, uh, not Olasar, um, Orison. I was saying Olasar so many times that I could not get Orison out. My God, that is horrible for a content creator. Um, Yes, Orison. So you had to go to Orison. So I go through the atmosphere to the city in the clouds, right, turn the ship around and then I'm able to quantum travel to Port Olisar, land on Port Olisar, get out of Port Olisar or the my ship onto Port Olisar, walk through the building, all the different you know transitions, put my ship into the hangar and then log out. Never once having a load screen and it's doing it on a multiplayer level of a persistent entity streaming level of server meshing and object container you know, streaming. It's not a competition, it's not. But when the shirt I'm wearing, if you're on YouTube, the shirt I'm wearing, when Squadron 42 comes out, game over. That you can compare. That you will absolutely have the right to put up against Starfield. And when that happens, in maybe 10, 15, 20 years, when that happens, uh, I mean, it, it, it is the space game to rule them all. Last thing I'll say, and I swear we're gonna move on. Um, no Man's Sky, stop relating it to No Man's Sky. I am so frustrated at the comparison of Starfield to No Man's Sky, No Man's Sky it's world of Warcraft graphics in a 100% procedurally generated universe. I, I that's not that's not even like yes, that has more in space experience, yes, that has more of what we were talking about we wish Starfield had sure, but that's not even Like even when we talk about Star Citizen, that's not even like a good comparison to me because there's so much other crap about No Man's Sky to get into. Maybe that's a podcast for another day, but there's so like it it is on its own island. It it is the gameplay, the graphics, like the whole the uh, the whole intent behind No Man's Sky is is like way over here in its own world, our own universe. Right, But they're just living and existing in space like Star Citizen, Starfield, which basically is just a solo mission that might talk about space every now and then, like, okay, those are more comparatives. Elite Dangerous, let's throw Elite Dangerous in there. It's a little bit more like comparative, but No Man's Sky, I'm not, you can clearly tell I'm not a fan of it, Uh, but No Man's Sky is just a different conversation. And maybe there is a, a, a reason to have a podcast about it later, but let's segment out of this. I, I will wrap up by saying like my conclusion statement. I will probably get off this podcast, work a little bit during my lunch break. I'll probably jump back on Starfield and I'm gonna enjoy the shit out of it. And I'm going to have a great solo experience. And then maybe this afternoon when I'm off of work and I have time like in between kids and everything else, uh, I'll probably jump into Star Citizen and have a good time there. What Starfield, what you wish Starfield was, is Star Citizen. What you wish Star Citizen was, is Starfield. Play both, play both, and you will be perfectly happy. Just when you get into the world of comparison, that is where things start breaking down, hence the first 20 minutes of this podcast. Let's move on to actual Star Citizen conversation. (laughs) All right. Let's do a little bit of screen sharing for those on YouTube. And I'm doing a little better on coughing. Um, Maybe less post-processing editing I need to do. So, here we go. This week in Star Citizen. Happy Monday, everyone. Ship showdown. Oh, God. Um, We're going to have some fun when we talk about the ship showdown. I'm mad. I am asked about Ship Showdown, so we'll get into that here in a second. To the article. Every year, Ship Showdown challenges the community to champion their favorite vehicle, and with more than 120 flyable ships in the verse, there's no shortage of passionate opinions. It's very true. After thousands of creative submissions and two rounds of epic head-to-head battles, we finally entered the final four. You know, I don't even really have to talk about that, because we're done. We already know the Corsair won. So let me just I'm just going to move quickly down here Tuesday subscriber monthly newsletter and subscriber com link that's kind of fun but spoiler alert um, there's like a Baldur's gate three theme standby Wednesday uh, is the roadmap update and there's a couple of surprises but I don't think it's it's really going to break the you know the conversation or the um, the rest of the podcast. Thursday inside Star Citizen they get into racing and a little bit of the um, the Numai Fury racing the LX and then Friday uh, shortly after this podcast Star Citizen live returns uh, with an episode with Duncan and Sam from the Arena Commander feature team and that starts at 8 a.m. Pacific so 10 a.m. Uh, in Central time and they're gonna showcase Arena Commander and and what's coming in the Alpha 320 launch. So there you go. Uh, okay, what do I wanna do first? Let's do this, let's do this. I alluded to this earlier um, in the podcast. Let me just go ahead and and, and address it. This is important for everybody. Uh, let me cough real quick and then we'll get into the Farewell Port Olisar announcement, so stand by. Okay, let's share my screen. This is from Refresia, Farewell Port Olisar. So this is not anything new for anybody. Like we know it's going away and 320 is gonna bring a Seraphim station. So here we go. To some of us, Port Olisar is more than just a space station. She was the gateway to our very first steps in the verse. Many will never forget the feeling of walking through the airlock, hearing uh, hearing the sounds get muffled as we stepped out onto the landing pad, and being awed by the sheer vastness of space around us. The feeling of being so very small as the massive crusader loomed overhead. For a long time, Port Olisar was our only home but sometimes the old must make way for the new. And as we usher in Seraphim station and Alpha 320, we put, put all to her well-deserved rest. For those who have yet to, you can still pay tribute to this iconic space, uh, space station. Say your goodbyes in any way you feel like, do some risky flying through the rings, sit at the edge of the landing pad and contemplate the, the mysteries of space. EVA around and take the sights of a piece of Star Citizen history or just watch the ships coming and going for the last time. We warmly invite you to share your fond memories of Port Olisar on the community hub uh, or on social media with the hashtags Star Citizen and Farewell Port Ulessar, or even as a reply here on this thread. Here is the piece that I wanted to share with everybody. Quote, As a token of remembrance, everyone who visits Port Olisar in the final days leading up to her decommissioning, so from September 7th to when alpha, alpha 320 goes live, we will receive a special farewell Port Olisar spectrum badge. And you can see it on YouTube, right, as I'm showing my screen. It's, it's basically a, uh, a no man's sky version of Port Olisar. And you can change your badge to look like that. So, reminisce about the good time as it takes solace in the knowledge that the experiences and memories created here will forever echo in your hearts. And remember... The best is yet to come. Farewell, Port Olisar, and thank you for your years of service. You'll be missed, but never forgotten. End of article. And this is not part of any segment, but as I read that, I'm still curious what they're planning to do to it via lore. Like, what? Where did it go and why did it go? I think they're going to have to do something um, about that. Because like, I don't know, in 2953, you blinked and there's a whole new station orbiting outside of Crusader. We can't talk about it that way. Like there's got to, there's, there's going to be, there has to be some sort of monumental, you know, situation. So, okay. I purposefully did that. I purposefully uh, took a second and went over and talked about the uh, article from Frasia because I wanted to take a breather before we got into the ship showdown okay here we go ship showdown uh, so the winner of the 2953 ship showdown oh i just went to the wrong screen um nope 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 wow that was fun for youtube um the winner of the ship showdown 2953 is the drake corsair um cool it's not the best in the show It's not. And no measurable. Is it better? So combat ship. Is this better than the Redeemer? No. Absolutely not. Nope. It's got great firepower. It it actually does. It has really good firepower. But it wasn't the best combat ship in in the competition. Okay. Hey, but Solace. It's not a combat ship. Cool. Cool story. So what is it then? What is that ship? It's an exploration vehicle. (laughs) What other ships, multiple, what other ships were in this competition that were exploration? 890 Jump, Carrick, the 600i, all better by all stretches of the imagination, all better than the Drake Corsair. Um, size, the 600i is larger. More walking around space. It's beautiful. It's more aesthetically pleasing. You can put more in it. Like maybe not the garage. I think the garage on the Corsair you can do more with, but the 600i, especially when the 600i gets reworked with a medical bay, done, like easily the best. What ships already have a medical bay in it? The Carrick, and the Carrick has a larger garage, a hangar to put a you know a size one or a small ship in. And a medical bay, captain's quarters, the ability to drop drones eventually. Hey, but Solace, drones aren't part of the game yet. Well, neither is exploration. Tell me where exploration is actually being used in Star Citizen. It, it's not. So so don't and, and this is funny, like when I say like don't come to me and say that, like, I'm never I'm never saying that in contention with my listeners or viewers but that sentiment, right? Like that sentiment, don't come to me and say, well, uh, we didn't vote for an XYZ ship because that function or the role isn't there. So the fact that an exploration vehicle won, we can now go back and talk about the MSR being a data running ship. How in the world does that lose, right? How does that lose to the Corsair? This doesn't have data running capability. This doesn't have a... It's probably got the same size garage as the MSR, but the MSR should win. Maybe the Drake Corsair comes out on top because of its firepower, its ability to fight, but it doesn't look better than the hot rod of the MSR, right? But Carrick, I I am not a Carrick fanboy. I didn't want the Carrick to win. What should have won was the 890 jump, It is it is the ship that has the most time spent in developing it. The most artistic, you know, teams and the most aesthetic, you know, layers. No other ship has that many layers capabilities, three garages. It's got the massive one in the back. It's got the hangar in the front. For some reason, I'm thinking there's like three, maybe just the two. But you can put a tank inside the 890 Jump. So I I don't know. I'm not like emotionally, um, like it's not like when I say I'm mad. Like I'm not legitimately mad. I don't care, right? At the end of the day, this was fun to do. I had fun creating the daily TikToks and the videos, the spreadsheet that you're about to see. I had fun doing all of that. That's why I do this. But there was nothing about this competition that made sense to me right? And I don't even care that I was wrong. Um, it just, none of it made sense. In the first round, I learned where the community was at. I learned that they were more of the negative side. They wanted to vote against things. Oh, how dare the Carrick, you know, be considered again, everybody amass, amass your followers and come on sheep, bad, <laughs> let's let's all vote the same way so their followers came and they voted against the carrick okay cool that i can accept that if that is the theme that we're going with you know this year um okay great but because of the reasons i was hearing oh the carrick too expensive it's only for the rich the two ships that were going up against each other weren't starters the vulture is like in the mid-hundreds the Corsairs in the mid-200s. That's still considered wealthy ships. It's not the $1,000 890. It's not the $600 Carrick. But those are still expensive. So you can't tell me that wealth was behind it. Or the Cutter would have won. You can't tell me that it's the functionality of the role of the ship. Because an exploration ship won. I don't know. Let's go back to the article. Let's take a little bit of emotion out of this podcast, real quick. <laughs> uh, so here you go. Um, in first place, the Corsair. Second, the Vulture. Third, the Redeemer. And fourth, the Six Hundred i You can actually go onto this website, read about you know the little narrative per round. I think it's cute. It's actually you know it's really well done. Um, so feel free to go and read that, um, or just go to my socials and watch all the videos I created because I did the same thing. <laughs> um okay here's the breakdown of the actual bracket Uh, again this is a lot more aesthetically pleasing than my spreadsheet but all the information that you see here uh, Mm -hmm. i basically converted into you know a spreadsheet form and so with that i think one more thing i'll say before we get into the spreadsheet so usually what happens is now that we know the first or the top four we, there's there needs to be time between now and when they release the paint scheme. So we still don't know the paint scheme. Um, they usually bring it out around the Invictus. Nope, not Invictus, IAE. It usually comes around the IAE time frame, like maybe October, November um, time frames. And so what they'll normally do is they will also put it in a lifetime insurance bundle. So usually you will see the Corsair, the Vulture, the Redeemer and the 600i in a bundle, that's gonna be an expensive bundle, but you'll, it'll be put in a bundle with the the trappings, right? Like the paint scheme, trophy poster, whatever. It's gonna all be bundled and you can pay, you know, what, $800, $900 for it. Um, or if you already have one in your hangar or your inventory, you will be given the paint scheme, so that's cool. Um, and so, if you already have the Corsair, you should be getting, you know, the things that come with it, right? The paint scheme, the poster for your hanger, et cetera. So, we don't know the paint scheme yet. yet. Um, and I wish I could, like, surmise. I wish there was, like, something, like, a hid, like a hidden, you know, hidden, like, something hidden somewhere where I could say, you know what? I bet it's going to be, but there's nothing there. There's no, like, color scheme inside the website or anything. So... I'm still sharing my screen. I just wanted to get into my spreadsheet. So here we go. My beautiful mind spreadsheet. This is the last time you're going to see it this year. This is fully updated with all the information. It's actually posted on social media if you wanted to go to our socials. Um, here we go. So the event as of today, Friday, September 8th lasted 16 days. We're going to go top left and we're going to go to the bottom right lasted 16 days, and just like they said in the article, here's your top four. So the Corsair, the Vulture, the Redeemer, and the 600i. So what I like doing is percentages. I love looking at the BIPs increase, decrease year-over-year relative to the percent of total, relative to round, relative to match. Um, It tells me some stories. And so here's how I analyze the ship showdown. Um, First off, we are down year over year in total votes by 15%, one five, 15%. So we had a total of 340,709 clicks or votes in this year. If we go to last year, 400,799. So about 60,000 less roughly, um, I think that's something to like unpack, maybe with our guest host next week, maybe that's something we can ask. Um, what are their thoughts and, and maybe why? And we can surmise, or my prediction, assumption, was that we had other distractions. We had other things going on, um, not to rehash, Polya, Cyberpunk was about to come out, so they're replaying, right, the main story. Boulder's Gate 3, of course, the game of the year. Easily, Starfield. We, we can't really. It didn't come out until you know right in the middle of round three, so that shouldn't have had you know any impact. But if you wanted to get into some of the maybe Star Citizen drama, it's because everything people were excited about lost in the first round, right? People were super excited about seeing the eight ninety jump finally getting into the competition. There is no paint scheme for the eight ninety jump it's it's just the A90 jump you can name it and so you've got the naming capability but this was one of the highest uh, expected ships and I'm, I'm saying that through like chatter and, and social media I have no data to back that up but it also it also lost by like 400 or 4,500 votes it got destroyed in the first round by the cutter so like you had this anti and, it, and mm, let me back up Let's be factual about this. The 890 jump is a limited whole ship. Even if you had a thousand dollars to spend, you couldn't get it. It's a limited whole ship. You have to be Johnny on the spot, ready to buy it the moment it drops in the pledge store. And it's one of those F5 wars, right? You're refreshing every five seconds or every other second, you know, trying to get access to buy this ship. So even if you had the money, it doesn't guarantee you the opportunity to have an 890 jump. So I think that might have a lot to do with it uh, people were like why get a paint job why waste a paint job on a ship that the majority of the community doesn't have okay there's there's the factual side of it but damn it that is the best ship in this whole competition easily easily if you have a fully staffed 890 jump no one's touching you it is it is a, an extremely powerful powerful ship um, it sucks to fly because you're flying a brick, and it's very hard to maneuver. Um, but as far as, like, combat, uh, uh, combatives, the luxury side of it, role-playing, uh, the, the actual exploration piece of it, it it's, it's the best ship. So the, Fortnite, the A90 Jump, people were super excited about that. The Carrick um, is probably the most well-rounded ship in this competition, and it's somewhat, you know, affordable. You can buy it in-game, which you can the eight nine jump as well, but you can buy the Carrick and game um, $600 ish. It's it's still pretty expensive, but it lost in the first round against the Terrapin by like 1500 votes, right? So for me, when I see the the total vote being down 15% year over year, I think it is because people lost interest in the competition. So round one, you know, again, So looking at these numbers, you can't compare apples to apples because there's less matches per round, obviously. But in the first round, you had 190,000, right? 190,000 votes. That was still down 6.77% or 677 bips year over year. So in the first round, we were already down by almost 7 bips or 7% points. So that's why I like percentages going into round two. We had 85,626 votes, of course, less matches, but year over year that was down 24%. That's my point is round one, only about 7% lower year over year and round two, 24% lower year over year. And it really doesn't get much better after that. And round three down 18.25% year over year. So still pretty heavy, but look at that championship round. No one cared. No one cared. I mean, first off, a statistical anomaly, it came in right at 20,000 votes. That's actually pretty cool. When you've got, you know, 8,799 votes for the Vulture, 11,201 votes for the Corsair. Perfect 20,000. Like that's, that's crazy. But it was down 31.43% year over year. Almost a third of the votes from 2022 or 2952 were gone. Is it because of Starfield? I don't know. I don't know if that's fair. Like, I, don't, I don't know if you can say that anymore. Because going in, like, it's a championship round. So for 24 hours, all you had to do was alt-tab out of Starfield. Go and click on your favorite chip, alt-tab back into Starfield. Right? But you're telling me a third of those... So 20,000 this year, 30,000 essentially last year. So I I don't know. Um, I think my last kind of risky comment to make, I think the community did this to themselves. I think when you're so um, when you're so angry about something or you're so against... Something where your vote becomes that you're against rather than for, we see this in American politics, it it has repercussions. People just don't really care about the competition. Nothing really makes sense anymore. Right? And so, when I looked at the Vulture, the Vulture versus Corsair, at the time, at the time that it went live, the championship live, or the championship round went live, the Vulture had the most votes at the entire competition, right? Then the Redeemer. So the Redeemer at the time had more votes than the Corsair. Statistically speaking, there was no way the Corsair was going to win. There was more uh, energy. There was more voting for, quote unquote, for the Vulture, it was a solo ship everyone can have access to it it's in the mid 100s so it's a little bit more affordable it's salvaging so there's already mission loops for it like the vulture had all of the indicators and yet the corsair wins so the corsair went against everything that we learned about round three and round two and round one so at the end of the day, phenomenal competition. It, it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun to be very closely tied to this uh, in social media and hearing the sentiments. Like, it, it, it was it was good in that sense. Um, it's going to be talked about, I think, from a, I guess, from my nerdy statistical point of view. It's going to be talked about in how we look at the 2954 competition. All right. I am done. <laughs> I'm off my soapbox. So soapbox for Starfield, soapbox for uh, the ship showdown. The rest of this should go pretty smooth. Let me cough and we'll transition into the subscriber flare for September. Okay. Our September flare, otherwise known as Envy for Baldur's Gate 3, (laughs) sharing my screen here we go and, and first off let me just like satire aside i love september's subscriber flair why because i love dungeons and dragons i am a DD person at heart um i have played many a campaign as mm, i'm coughing All right, that was a big cough good lord okay ow i really need this to be gone before next week uh this is painful all right i have played many a campaign uh in dungeons and dragons usually as the dungeon master and for the first time ever this year i am uh i'm a i'm a rogue i am a elf rogue uh so tune in to hearth and hammer i'll drop a link inside of our call notes or show notes. I'm going to cough again. Good God. Um, I'll drop the link into the show notes so that you can access it. Um, But it's just a bunch of dudes. It's like six of us, five of us um, that are just enjoying the time of our lives. Right, we record it to to, to memorialize um, you know the show and but it's not for any product uh, it's not for any production value. We're not trying to monetize or make money off of it right It's just fun but this is the September subscriber flare. It's the Dungeons and Dragons die set um, So here we go you get these massive plushies which I don't really know what you're gonna do with them um but they're like the big ones almost the size of like um uh, you know the penguins is it pico I'm doing this I've done on this a lot in this podcast but what is the star citizen penguin called I think it's pico yeah pico the penguin yep so in the game uh in star citizen when you're walking around um right any mining facility or really any location you could come across like a pico the penguin head plushie or and usually wrapped in duct tape it's really actually well designed but you can take that and put it on your ship and you know again because of persistent entity streaming quote unquote you can actually put it onto your ship and it stays there forever so you can kind of do with that what you will um so these big huge plushy dice it's basically what that is you can Stand and hold it uh, with two hands. So like that's the size, that's the scale of what you're looking at. If you're on YouTube, your everybody, all Centurion members gets this really awesome dice. This colorful, and it's almost like one of those D20s. Like usually your D20 is like your biggest, most ornate dice. Um, so here you go. It's right here. Boom. And then your Imperator get these this set of three. It's like a silver, bronze, and kind of like maybe like a burgundy or a maroon. But you get those three dice as well. So here we go. Chance Cube. The six-sided die houses a rotating sphere covered in blue and red lights. When rolled, one of the two colors will display on the upper face of the die, helping the user to make binary decisions. Current Centurion-level subscribers. Boom. Six-sided dies. Dice. Dice. These six-sided dice house rotating cores that features the number one through six. When rolled along a surface, a random number will display on the upper face of the die as the rotating core comes to rest. And then the 20-sided or the D20 plushie set. Ready to roll, make your randomly generated numbers a little more squeezable with these plush Icosahedrons. Wow, Icosahedrons. That's a word I've never seen before in red green and blue each surface of each large die features a different easy to read number so there you go and i think each one's four dollars right so let's say you're just a centurion you could buy the imperador or you could buy the one that's actually in the store the huge plushies um, for four dollars apiece. and then last the vehicle of the month shocker is the drake corsair it's almost as if they knew it was going to win but the vehicle of the month is the drake corsair Go and fly it. See what all the fuss is about. Um, Lesson learned. Alt K is how you deploy the half X wing, right? So the two wings on the left and you've got a solo wing on the right. So it's asymmetric. Um, But in order to get those to unfold, you have to hold down Alt and hit K. So I think that's going to confuse a lot of people uh, at first. Hopefully you can ask in general chat, and general chat will be nice enough to let you know. But you know, when you take off, you know, obviously space bar to go up, and to um, pull up your landing gear, and then Alt-K to drop your wings. There you go. And then of course, like any other time, um, you can buy all the subscriber gear in the subscriber store. And I only rarely, like I got the backpack, like the store-bought backpack, I think that's good. There's some paint jobs, Um, the flashlight, the purple flashlight, I ended up getting that as well. So there are some things in there, some gold nuggets, that I would highly recommend you picking up and going with. Um, Okay, we're gonna go quickly to the last two segments. One, I'm dying inside, I'm gonna cough a lot more like I did in the last episode, so this is gonna suck. But let's go through the roadmap roundup real quick, and then we're going to end with watching the Inside Star Citizen, the Racing, um, uh, the Mirai Fury LX video together. I haven't seen it yet. We're going to watch it live together, and I'm going to pause and add commentary where I can, where I think it's valuable, Uh, and then we'll wrap it up at the end, and I'm going to expose our uh, surprise for next episode at the end of this one. So here we go. I'm going to cough real quick. okay roadmap roundup this is going to go pretty quick um the release view the following cards have been added to release view in 320. now this is confirmed specifically for 320.0 so the moment 320 launches we will have access to the Mariah fury lx so we're about to watch an inside star citizen you will have access to when the patch drops. You can hear me about to cough. This is, this is horrible. All righty. Like I said, that's gonna go quick. So we don't do that ever again, and I, I mute for like a couple seconds. Let's just get into Inside Star Citizen it's it's one of those podcasts so I'm gonna start it this is a 12 minute video uh, let's watch it together and then we will uh, we'll get into the analytics uh, analytics afterwards so here we
2: go so I've just always like written since I was a kid I think I was like five or six years old and just sat down watching TV, I was watching monster truck racing. And then it grew to a love of you know, touring cars, Formula One. So I basically traveled the country in the UK and I take pictures of cars. And that's something I've been doing for about four or five years now. I mean, it's gone from a hobby to sort of semi-professional um, level now, which is really cool. Here I am, 40 years old, and I still love it today.
3: Racing is far more than just maybe motorsport. It has like this innate ability to change in a split second. It's
1: uh, a chance for people to determine skill levels and to show how much practice, how much time, how much effort they've put into a sport.
4: Racing has a, an, an incredible
2: ability to bring people together, I think. I'm a pretty competitive person, and so the ability to kind of challenge people, no matter who you are or where you come from, it's a level playing field once you're out on a track. It's about pushing things to the limit, both in terms of the machine and the car, and then it's about the drivers or the riders pushing
3: themselves to the limit within that machine. My favorite thing about racing in Star Citizen is just the, the skill.
0: It is a pure use case of how you use our ships to their, to their maximum performance. You have to know them to get everything out of them.
1: You use ships that aren't necessarily used for practical reasons. You can race Cutters, you can race M50s, you can race Furies, you can race whole A's, you can race whatever you like. And as long as everybody's on a level playing field, it always comes down to skill. Am I good at racing? I'm all right. Yeah, there are people who are better than me. There are
4: a lot of people who are worse than me. But yeah, I'm good. To
0: compete with other people, to fly from A to B as fast as possible. So, so real quick, a couple seconds ago, they were talking about, you know, you could pick anything and race against each other. Um, on YouTube, you're watching this, but for those on podcast, they were showing the 600i. Uh, I would never even think to race 600is against each other. That was just kind of a funny pull. That's where real
2: competition is coming from.
4: We had a uh, an internal scoreboard for the old Vanderbilt times. I think I beat... The next highest score by t- ten seconds. We've got a little, a little competition going inside.
2: I felt like I really nailed that lap, and this guy's gone 15 seconds quicker than me in the same ship. Like, how is that possible? What other game, with this level of quality, can you play and race with six degrees of freedom? There isn't.
4: There just isn't one.
0: I was going to save this for after the after the video but I'm I'm doing it. I'm 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 taking a couple seconds to address it now. This is the the Starfield conversation all over again. Like you you can seamlessly go now they're showing you Arena Commander, I believe, but you can go from bounty hunting outside of Hurston to flying again no load screens, nothing. You can go from outside in a bounty uh, bounty hunting mission outside of Hurston, flying into the Loraville spaceport, doing something there with not a single load screen, uh, selling items, you know, trade, whatever. And then, you know what, I feel like racing. So then pulling out your Mirai Fury LX and then flying outside of Loraville to that racetrack and doing this, again, seamlessly to go from one loop to an entirely different loop with zero break in immersion so this is kind of proof of what i was talking about at the front of the podcast
1: so last week a whole bunch of us got into a play session in arena commander and did a few classic races most of my
4: stuff has been like single player time trial stuff in Arena Commander or just in their tracks around the PU. So that was the first like big group race that I'd been involved in. Even though half the people that um, we did the playtest with, um, I didn't know, it felt like jumping in with your mates um, and yeah,
3: I, I like that aspect of it. There was a moment where we were all like lined up and we did like a countdown and we were all going to drive off and get this cool shot of us flying through a cave. Let me just get down to this first corner actually because I
4: want to try and catch some people smashing into this rock. <laughs> I mean You're going so perfectly sad. through that.
2: <laughs> you mean you want a good angle of the start,
4: right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of anticipation, a lot of kind of banter going back and forth, everyone was hyping up about great they Ooh, so
0: that video right there just showed you the Mariah Fury LX in blue paint. Let me uh let me kind of go backwards real quick. I went Okay, can I go back even more? Boom, there you go. How beautiful is that. That's gonna look amazing. Damn it, I'm gonna have to buy one. Crap. I'll have to text the
4: wife.
2: <laughs>
4: kind of banter going back and forth. Everyone was hyping up about how great they'd be. And we said go. And they all left and immediately crashed into the first
1: corner. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was carnage. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of crashing into walls. <laughs> <It> hit me. <laughs> Turns out.
3: I'm not very good at racing at all, and people who I thought wasn't going to be very good at racing were, in fact, incredible at racing. I've never flown into a wall quite as fast as that. No, there is I did get, get to the first corner.
4: Every single time I hit the wall, so. Has everyone crashed? How am I winning? Let's all um, regroup at the start line again. People who make the games, you'd think would be really good at it. Um, yeah, well, maybe we did delete that footage, actually. <laughs>
3: We had such a big skill gap between the best and the worst. The guys who film all the great capture footage, they were insane. I got a bit carried away and started actually racing,
4: which isn't ideal because I needed to get footage of other people, but they were all behind
1: me. I I don't remember the the name of the player that was uh, winning a lot every race, but uh, it was quite obvious that they were flying with two sticks. Maybe half a lap till the end, Will just comes absolutely
3: tearing past me. They were just blasting off way ahead of someone like me who literally helped work on the ship. It was kind of funny and a good reminder that just because you make games doesn't mean you're good at them. Who's that that's just come under me? Cheeky. The best racer by far, by leaps and bounds, was (laughs) Will. I've got a lot of envy for Will and his ability to operate our ships. Like, how can you fly our ship better than us?
4: Oh, who's the worst racer? I can't answer that question. It definitely wasn't me, so that's all right. (laughs) I think I smashed into more gates than I've actually been through. Someone just exploded
1: right next to me. (laughs) My favorite ship is the Razor because it looks like a supercar, and when you get into it, when you're flying it around, it has that aesthetic. The best racing ship for me was
4: probably the
2: Murail
1: Razor. I think everybody knows that the Merlin is one of the best racing ships. It's small, it's like, it's got good engines.
3: I know Josh really likes the Razer, but I need a little bit more maneuverability in my ships. I found it too fast and not maneuverable enough. I know it looks cool, it's very Formula 1-y. I'm not too bothered about top speed, but handling in the corners and then acceleration out of them,
2: I think that helps the way I fly best. As much as I like flying the Fury, I think the Razer's still got it
3: for me.
1: I don't think I really got disappointed by any of our ships. The one that I found the most difficult to, to race was the 350R. While it's got good acceleration and a really good max speed, it drifts a lot. I'm in a 350R, and uh, I'm trying to get myself around a corner while the Fury is coming up behind me. The Fury is moving in ways that my 350R can't, and so I'm just having to pick a line and stick to it while the Fury is able to dance around me. The Fury was incredible, because with it being really small and really fast and nippy. In my opinion,
4: it was the Alex, and objectively, it was the Alex. I told you, mate,
1: that Fury's rapid.
2: I'm sure it's just the Fury, just the ship. I've actually found (laughs) nothing (laughs) to do with driver skill at all. So once again, for the record, it's not Will's skill, it's the Fury. No, it's 100% just the Fury, yeah. Nothing to do with
1: Will. (laughs) The Fury and the Fury LX really surprised me personally. Um, No, no, bullshit. no. We knew the Fury was going
3: to be good. (laughs) 140, what the hell, bro? Look at the Fury. It did a 112 oh my god
4: this thing's fast
0: there it is so for those of you on podcast right now uh, on YouTube that is the best angle that you're going to get of the Mariah Fury um, paint the blue like the scheme on the outside the paint scheme um, in game so it's not like a, a gif it's not a JPEG so that, that is a that is a beautiful beautiful ship I'm, I am going to get one. I said, maybe on the last episode, I I made the comment, um, like until you can spawn a ship within a ship, the Mirai fury is like, it's a hard, it's a hard sell. Um, but with a a racing ship like this, where that makes sense, like, you know how many times that you're driving on a highway and you see like a truck pulling a trailer and on the trailer is like their Mustang or their hot rod that's the premise that i'm seeing or that's that's the concept it's like i can see that being an intentional loop that people are putting their racing ships within other ships and i i I can make sense of that so anyways i digress back to the video
3: so in alpha 320 we're introducing the fury lx the fury lx is
1: the fury that has been absolutely tooled out for racing We've removed all of the weapon mounts
0: So beautiful.
1: with extra horizontal strafing thrusters. The base Fury's uh, weakest directional thrust was actually strafing. It had a little bit of trouble as it uh, came to sliding around corners, because while the rear main thrusters can gimbal as much as they do, they sometimes struggle to provide like directionally horizontal strafe. So adding the extra thrusters in meant that it now has that little bit of extra push uh, when it comes to correcting itself in those sort of situations.
3: So the first thing you're going to notice on the LX is definitely the new wings. It's such a striking design, more akin to the Razor, right? I absolutely adore the new wings. I think the use of negative space and
1: how it's like an F1 wing is some of the nicest racing stuff we've done. It it very closely mirrors a lot of the looks in the Razor, which I
3: think is absolutely wonderful in a racing ship like this. And if you look past the livery, you'll see tons of intricate details, tons of vents even air brakes, which would be great to work eventually when atmospheric flight and surface controls get brought into the game. What's really cool as well is, um, from a third-person perspective, you'll obviously see those four thrusters doing their magic again, but they have these really cool light bars along the kind of rear spoilers, I and mean, they look really impressive, especially at nighttime. If you're gonna take something as key from the designer way as like the weapons, right? You need to put something cool in its place. And I think the introduction of that extra mav and then it's got so many like aerofoils and different things going on at the front, which just makes it look like it cuts through the air, and it really does. So in the playtest it definitely performed really well. It was really interesting to see the differences between like the base fury and that and then comparing it to obviously to the razor. It performed, as you'd expect, very racy, very cool, very flashy. And there was nothing quite as cool as, like, for me particularly, being one of the people who worked on the Furies, was sitting in the base Fury, driving along, and then having an LX fly past me upside down, spinning by someone who was obviously much better at the game than I am.
1: So the Fury LX is absolutely for the racer who wants maneuverability over all else. With its gimbling thrusters, with its extra horizontal thrusters, it will easily outmaneuver
3: pretty much anything else out there. Oh you know what? We forgot to mention Alex again.
4: Uh he died. For 320
2: we've got some really exciting improvements to the Edgar vehicles. We've got a brand new time model and this is based on the Pajaka model. It allows us to create a lot more kind of fidelity within the physics for the ground vehicles. So we've got a curve of forces that allow us to control how the vehicles feel and basically how much grip they have when you're trying to turn a corner in these vehicles. So
0: well, here we go. This this is the premise of this podcast where we're looking at Starfield impressions. So bear with me. In the other 22 episodes, I don't do this. I don't talk negative, but it's the premise of today's show: ground vehicles. Starfield has nothing. So, again, you can't fly around an atmosphere. You can't fly around where you're trying to explore for minerals, et cetera. There's also no ground vehicles. The only option you have is to walk and jump and double jump with the space pack or whatever they're calling them, jump pack. So, you're watching on YouTube, um, you're watching a beautiful, beautiful picture. And again, I'm going to annoy you when I say this again, the seamless transition from getting off your ship that you flew from outer space into atmosphere and landed, you're now driving a ground vehicle out of that ship and doing what you're seeing on YouTube seamlessly, no load screens. Hmm.
2: It gives us a lot more fidelity, a lot of control, and this has allowed us to remove a lot of the old arcade mechanics that the old ground vehicles had, which kind of restricted their movement, which is why they felt quite floaty before. So we've taken a lot of those restrictions out of the system. So now when you do a big jump, you'll feel the weight of the car as it nose dives, or if you jump off a ramp or a rock or something, it'll feel like a lot more weighty and, and a lot more realistic. And also it's gonna allow the different vehicles to perform very differently as well. So, you know, we've got a big cyclone buggy, which is really quick and really agile, and it's got loads of powers. You can do drifts in it. We've got a little PTV buggy, a little STV, and these are going to feel more agile. Um, it's really going to allow the players to kind of pick the vehicle, which kind of suits them. So we're going to carry on to improve the physics, um, and basically fine tune the handling within what we just changed in the physics. But also, we're going to convert the ground vehicles to use the power system that it's used on the ships, he's Star Citizen. So that's probably going to be the next big step for these vehicles, you know, they use power properly, they use fuel, and that's going to be a big change.
4: So what do we learn this week? Well, we learned that racing is deep in the hearts and minds of many a Star Citizen developer. That it's a fantastic way to test your mettle against others in the least destructive way possible. Alex trying to drag race in a herald notwithstanding and that Mirai has a fast new variant of the Fury on its way in the upcoming Alpha 320. And well, (laughs) I'd be remiss in mentioning that while we did film this just a few days ago, the winner of this year's ship showdown should be crowned right about when this airs. And uh, if we ended up with two Drake ships against one another in the finals, as somebody hopes, John Crew has to legally post a video declaring his love for all things Drake. So I really hope you cast your votes accordingly. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee, Thanks for letting us share the process of game development with you. And we'll see you all here next week.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. So with that, we're going to wrap up today's episode of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. Next week in episode 24, we have a streamer that is going to be joining us for a long form conversation. No show notes. We're going to sit down with Her and have a phenomenal conversation about Star Citizen, Starfield, Baldur's Gate, all the things that are beyond this verse. So stay tuned for that, more on socials. Um, Let's get into it. So be part of the conversation. At the end of this show, in the Spotify app, we are going to be fully utilizing the questions and answers, the Q&A piece and the poll piece. Please participate. I I would love to bring these up between me and the streamer. Um, Hey, this person said this about Starfield. What are your thoughts? I would love to use this in that conversation. So please go and answer the Q&A. Go and respond to the polls. I would love to be able to leverage that. You can also become part of the conversation by emailing us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com and follow us on all socials, every platform at btv underscore cast. Thank you again for bearing with me yet another episode of me coughing and having to figure out the mute button and post-processing nightmares. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for making August such an amazing month of growth for our community and for our show. And with that, I hope this finds you well. Safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Take care.